Greetings, fellow visitors. This is Upgrade Terminal, a Star of Providence fan cast. I'm Malachi. And I'm Nick. Welcome back to the facility. Nick, it is so nice to be talking to you. It's actually been a while. Yes, it has. <laughs> and it's been a while since we uh, did an episode that where it was just us. We've had so many awesome guests lately. Mm-hmm. And we're very happy to have guests, but um, you know, sometimes it's nice to just have it be you and me. Yeah, it is nice. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, something nice that happened to you this week? Well, for this one, I'm, I'm going to say not just this week, but this past week and a half, mm-hmm. which was... um. I had been spending a lot of time with Star of Providence, you know, thinking about it, uh, playing the game, doing the beta testing that I do, trying to prepare some things for Sprint, which are still to be, you know, determined for how they'll go. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to realize, you know, I'm, I think I'm just, my head's just a little bit too thinking too much about this and I'm, I'm starting to realize it's it i'm not i'm not enjoying it right now yeah so what i did is i said to myself right i'm just gonna make myself for an entire week i'm just gonna step back a bit mm-hmm. and i'm still gonna just spend my time with other stuff and i really liked it i decided well there's all these games i like to play but i've kind of been neglecting them how about i just replay some of these games again and i've been enjoying that it's like I've also occasionally take the occasion like oh, I'll, I'll try and listen to a little bit of music that I haven't listened to before. Oh, nice, could be interesting. I'm like, it was good to sort of refresh my mind a little bit and sort of remind myself what are some other things that I liked to do. Yeah, I'm glad you recognize mm-hmm. that because uh, for me that's not always easy to do. But to be able to recognize like, hey, I need to take a step back from this, take a break, and kind of refresh myself. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's healthy. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad I did it. I, I could tell it. Would, it did me good. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Um. Well, this week I had an awesome opportunity to go to a concert I've been wanting to go to for a long time. One of my favorite artists. Ooh. Her name is Julie Byrne. Um. She released a new album this year called The Greater Wings, and I love the album. I just love her music in general. And so I'm super excited to go to Seattle and see her live. And I went to this venue that's in Fremont. It's called the Fremont Abbey. And it's actually like a repurposed chapel. And Hmm. I didn't know how intimate this venue was going to be, but there were chairs and there were probably about three or four rows of chairs. And it was, you know, if you've ever been inside a medium sized chapel, it was, it was about that big. The stage was right there. I was able to sit in the front row um, and listen to Julie Burns sing about uh, sing about grief and and sing about uh, some things she's experienced. And I really loved the album, and I loved hearing it live because it is kind of a meditation on grief. She lost a friend, and it was it was very moving to hear her sing and to hear her talk about it. And I mean, to the point where I was actually moved to tears. It was just an awesome, awesome experience. So it was refreshing for me as well to be able to do that. It was kind of like a like a spiritual recharge in a way. And uh, I just really highly recommend her music to anybody that likes folk music. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm glad you got to see something that really 
made you feel a strong emotion and felt like just like a, a, a wild ride to just be like, oh, wow, this is intense but beautiful. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I had a two-hour drive back home after the concert. <laughs> and so the whole time I was just kind of driving in silence, just kind of thinking about it. It was It was great. It was great. Today, we wanted to start out the episode by discussing a recent piece in Backlog called Star of Providence and Learning to Play an Instrument. But the first question we need to answer mm -hmm. is, what is Backlog? So, mm -hmm. Nick, I've talked to you about Backlog a little bit, and I've also posted about it on the Star of Providence Discord server. But for those who aren't in the know, it's a newsletter by Grayson Morley. He's the author. Um, he is also a reviewer on Polygon and kind of all over the Internet. He just writes about games a lot, and he's just a good writer. He, he writes short stories, fiction as well. But he reviews good games as he plays them. So he's working through his backlog and writing about it as he goes through it. And I just really like the idea behind that because we all have a backlog. So I think it's a very clever mm -hmm. name. And he also has a lot of contributors that chip in. And they do a podcast called Backchat. And it's really good. I recommend the piece, the first piece that I read. It's called Minute and Precious Life Seconds, which I think really embodies like the whole backlog vibe because it's got humor it's got just a uh, sincere appreciation of games and this really nice philosophical flavor and voice that's really unique to grayson so i highly recommend it and we'll link to it in the show notes but full disclosure i'm a supporter a financial supporter and i actually commissioned the star providence review that we're going to be discussing so i just want to be upfront about that but uh mm -hmm. nick you've read it and i wanted to ask you what what do you think of the piece overall well I agree with you with the sort of the statement that uh, Grayson has a very unique voice for talking about games because, you know, it tells you in the title that it compares sort of playing games, mm -hmm. roguelikes, a bit like playing an instrument. And already that's quite an intriguing comparison to make. And I'm like, okay. This this is something different. I this this sounds really cool. Um, and overall, I just really enjoyed it. I like it is it is a very different way of talking about games. Mm -hmm. It's very thought provoking, and it's very personal, which I do appreciate. And you know, it it is clear that this person that Grayson sees a lot of charm in Star of Providence, a lot of things to like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I, if I had like one <laughs> criticism to make, I guess, yeah, it would be like, as good as the article is, it is still sort of dealing mostly with just the, the surface level experience, mm -hmm. which in the case of Star of Prof would be like floors one to five and seeing Overlord for the first time. Yeah. And there's a lot to love in that part of the game, mm -hmm. but mm, a lot the community knows that a lot of the real interesting and juicy bits are after all that. You know, once you start getting to the floor six, mm -hmm. you see machine. This is where you start getting to some of the. You start getting a bigger picture of what is going on here in the facility and the world, and the council and all that and. 
so I guess I I wanted to see more of this, or I just wanted the sort of this analysis or this analogy to sort of extend even deeper into what the game offers. Yeah, yeah. I you know I agree. I, I love the the piece as well, but of course I think as like long term uh, kind of super fans of this game, I think we can be considered super fans. <laughs> We're making a podcast sure, about not? this game. <laughs> sure, that that seems fair. But I mean, we have a deep appreciation. Obviously, we would hope that uh, Grace would really dig into it. But you're right in that I, I think a player could be forgiven for assuming that Star Providence had very little story if they just played as Noel and played to Overlord, right? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of, in a way, the prologue <laughs> to this. juicy novel that team d13 has Mm -hmm. written right just yeah and and then once you get in a hard mode and and the story continues on it's just like oh my gosh and it just it's just this uh repeating kind of surprise that it just keeps unfolding Mm -hmm. before you and i agree i i wish that uh grayson would have had more time with it and been able to go into the details but overall i i think uh i I'm just glad that uh, Grayson enjoyed playing it and I didn't ask someone to play a game mm. that they ended up hating. <laughs> I mean, it's a good game. It, it's no surprise that they loved it so much. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think that speaks to Star of Provenance's quality more than anything else. I am so confident to, to recommend it to people because I honestly feel that anyone who gives it a little bit of time, you know, if they really um, mm-hmm. put some effort into it, it will be a really good experience for them. And uh, yeah, got to love games like that. But uh, there's one line. um, I I mean, it's in the title of the piece as well, but learning to play a roguelike is like learning to play an instrument that uh, I think we both really liked. Do -hmm. you play an instrument, Nick? Not really. No. When I was in school, I I could learn to either play the guitar or the keyboard, Mm -hmm. and I chose the keyboard and... I did that for a bit, but it did not really stick with me. For as much as I enjoy music, I do not really have musical creativity in me. Uh, Fair. I'm sure there's some in there. (laughs) You just just might have to dig to get there, but... I mean, you know... You know me, I can can have ideas for things that I wish to write, and so I write them. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes there's a particular, like image in my mind that I want to recreate and so I do that but there's very rarely a song in my head that I want to create but that's just me well I um I grew up playing in band so I do play some instruments I started on saxophone alto saxophone Mm. and uh, I couldn't play that now though I mean maybe I could (laughs) play like one song that I learned in sixth grade but then I went into percussion and I played percussion throughout uh, the rest of middle school and high school. And uh, I dabbled in guitar and banjo, but one of the reasons I really like Grayson's analogy is because learning to play a roguelike, it's like learning to play an instrument. For me, I haven't, there's not a lot of instruments I play very well. (laughs) So (laughs) there are a lot of roguelikes that I played where I get to a point where I can beat them uh, fairly consistently, but I'm not super good. (laughs) So. I was like, yeah, it is. It is. I, I know some chords on guitar. I could try to put some songs together, but uh, yeah, I'm not a virtuoso. Well, I think I one of the things that the article uh, 
talks about is attaining a sense of mastery. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that you know roguelikes like instruments at first it seems a bit daunting mm -hmm. because you feel clumsy when you're trying to do something. You feel like you just don't know. You don't you know you you don't know this tool the the set of the set of tools ahead of mm -hmm. you, you know. But slowly and surely you learn, you know, kind of how it goes, and you become a little bit better. And over time, you become more confident and you acquire more knowledge. And little by little, you become capable. Like an instrument, you can you know play an entire song. Mm -hmm. In a roguelike, you can beat an entire run, and maybe. Even further, you can play a particularly beautiful song with your own little sort of, you know, uh, embellishments, and you can do a run and have your own sort of idiosyncrasies and put your own little spin on how you do things. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, there was another line I wanted to ask your opinion on. Um, mm -hmm. Grayson says, quote, more than anything, it seems to me that the success of a roguelike depends on just how many people are streaming it, unquote. What the, what's mm -hmm. your take on this, Nick? So, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this before we hit record. Mm -hmm. So you felt like it was important to sort of talk about, like, well, how do you define success exactly? Yeah. What is the measure of success that is being considered here? And in that regard, you could say that Star of Providence is most of the time not very successful in that it is not a game that a lot of people are playing at any given point in time. Mm -hmm. It is a game that is occasionally played. You know, it's not exactly all that popular. Mm -hmm. And while we cannot know how successful it is commercially, it is beloved, but ultimately it always still feels a bit modest. Mm -hmm. But that being said, that's not the only metric of success. There are other ways to find success. And another one of those would be like, well, is the game successful at delivering the experience it seeks to create in players? Well, I think that ties into what I was, what I just mentioned about, you know, I'm so confident in recommending this game to people because I think that as a roguelite, it is successful. It delivers a really excellent roguelite experience. But even more mm -hmm. than that, I think what all the developers bring to the table, whether it's the music, the programming, or the art, everything's working together um, to make just this really, really excellent experience that people will undoubtedly enjoy if they give it a chance so i think from that uh, from that angle it is very very successful and this is one of the reasons why i'm really excited about it uh, ha finally having a publisher with big mode because with mm -hmm. star province basically jumping up onto donkey's platform right and donkey has a mm -hmm. huge platform you mm -hmm. know the last time i checked you know over a million people had watched the big mode 2023 memo so they saw the star providence trailer that's super exciting for me because mm -hmm. i'm like yes now this this game that's successful in what it's trying to do might finally become a commercial success as well which of course means we'll probably continue to see more games from team D d13 yeah um i hope it brings more success of all kinds to the game 
And I'm definitely going to start streaming again once the update uh, drops. So, you know, we'll we'll probably see a lot more people streaming it as well. Oh, there, it's going to be so hard to keep up with the flurry of activity once it releases. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be delightful. There was another comment that Grayson made in his piece about Star Wars Providence that made me realize something I hadn't before, which is, uh, he says, quote, the Game Boy Color aura is the fact that the entire game is presented as a vertical rectangle, which, unless you have some kind of rotated monitor situation, won't take up the whole screen. It feels like you're emulating something that used to run on handheld software, which is, to me, the most immaculate vibe, unquote. That line made me realize, whoa, shit, that's probably one of the reasons why I love this game so much, because as I mentioned back on our uh, Cartridge Collectors episode, I love Mm -hmm. Game Boy. I grew up playing Game Boy Color. I had a Game Boy Advance. I still have a just, there's just this visceral thrill when I'm, when I have a game cartridge, you know, and I'm, and I'm playing Mm -hmm. on, on handheld. So I also love the Nintendo Switch, but I had never realized that I'd never made that connection. And I really do think that that's part of the charm here for me is that Monolith really does take me back to Star of Providence. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. We were doing so well. <laughs> we were doing so well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Star of Providence takes me back to my gaming roots. And I think it's subconscious. So I, I really was like, oh, Grayson's right. That's probably, it's tapping into my gaming roots. I also had a Game Boy Color growing up, and I had a few games. And I do like the the general kind of aesthetic, the, the art direction, I should say, mm-hmm. of games created on the Game Boy Color. I am personally not entirely sure if that was some a uh, component of me liking the game so much. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, it looks like a Game Boy Color games, or if it's just... I guess something that sort of slipped my mind. And I think that perhaps part of the reason why this Game Boy Color aura can sort of might have enhanced the experience a bit is that because of this feeling like oh it's emulating how old software would would look mm-hmm. I think can contribute to this feeling of like that this game is like something that you found on an old cartridge. Mm. Like it is a found relic of sorts that emulates something from a bygone era, which to some people it could be really appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, there's this isn't there's something ancient here in a sense that you're just now tapping into, which you know we can make parallels between this feeling and the story of Star of Providence itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. I, that's another thing I had thought of, but you're right. Like that it's very thematic, you know, for it to feel mm-hmm. retro, to feel like, like a relic of the past <laughs> as it were. And I think there's another way in which is this, in which this is relevant, which is we should take care to remember that one of the older D13, team D13 projects that inspired Star of Providence mm-hmm. was indeed a project called Handheld, mm-hmm. and it very much sought to deliberately emulate a bit of that old handheld game 
aesthetic or feel. And that is sort of most seen in Temple, which, again, you access through a literal Game Boy-esque device. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, so this is... In the, mo- the more you think about it, the more relevant it is and the more fitting it is that this comparison was made. Yeah, yeah, really. I wonder if Grace never uh, found his way into the temple. <laughs> uh, I, I get the feeling that it isn't the case. You know, like I said, this is a very this seems like a very surface level experience, which is delightful, but. You know, the the real story doesn't pick up until you start diving even deeper and into mysterious places. But you know, I have a feeling that the <clears throat> the whole Game Boy Aura handheld comparison is almost unintentionally very apt. Mm-hmm. Like I think Grayson may not have known just how apt the comparison is that this looks like a handheld game to an to an extent that is very deliberate. Yeah, I had forgotten that uh, D thirteen did handheld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where uh, the uh, dread, bo- the mini bosses of Temple come from. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to play that someday. Yeah, you sh- you should. Although you know, <laughs> temper your expectations somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if Grayson would have made it into the temple, or if Grayson would have met Trespasser, I think those things would have made it in the uh, review. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I'm just really glad that, uh, um, you know, Grayson was gracious enough to accept, uh, to review Monolith, Star Providence. And uh, <laughs> it was Monolith at the time. <laughs> yeah, kind of unfortunate timing there. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's just really good. So once again, I just want to recommend Backlog to you guys. Um, go and check it out. It's free. You can subscribe on, on Grayson's Substack. And to close us off, there is one more quote I want to bring attention to. To return to the metaphor of the instrument, I imagine playing Star of Providence to be a bit like getting really good at a rare instrument that few people have heard about. It's a bit like watching your friends learn to play the guitar while you're over here mastering the wheel harp, end quote. Now, um, when we discuss this a little bit, you said that there is a sort of there is a tension that is exemplified by this quote. Yeah, I, I think something that's made Star Providence special for both of us, and well, and anyone that's played it, is it has been kind of a niche thing, right? It's also a niche community. Um, we've enjoyed like really cool access to the developers and their thought processes behind the game and all of that. And that arguably wouldn't have existed, at least not in the same way, if star of providence was you know some huge triple a game um Mm -hmm. so in a way i'm grateful that i discovered the game when it was as small as it was um but there's also this desire for you know the game to expand and become something greater and for more people to recognize it Mm -hmm. yeah no i you know the 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 potential value that it might lose of for not being as rare 
would hopefully be offset by the value it gains from being something that can be shared with more people. Absolutely. And the thing that I want to say is that, you know, if we're going back to this sort of comparison, most people are familiar with what it sounds like when someone is good at the guitar. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people are aware with what it sounds like when someone is good with the wheel harp. I literally don't know what a wheel harp sounds like. <laughs> Me neither. I should have looked it up before we record this episode, but here we are. But it is the idea that you have this skill which is interesting to people mm -hmm. because they are watching you perform so well with something that is unknown to them and there is a, there is something cool and interesting about that that you can that everyone can see the potential in the guitar not everyone can see the potential in the wheel harp and if you open you know their ears or in their eyes in the case of star of providence to that it can lend them an appreciation of it that might otherwise be very difficult for them to gain from any other place. Yeah, well said, Nick. Thank you. Grayson closes out the piece by saying, together we can make gaming's very own wheel harp happen. And that's <laughs> a great line, but also I think we're going to see that happen. Um, you know, mm -hmm. with uh, with the publisher, with Big Mode publishing it, like, like we talked about, I think we're going to see a lot more people start to play the wheel harp. Yeah, I, I would say that for all of the merit that the game has, Star of Providence has not quite reached a point of critical mass that any sort of self-sustaining fandom requires to just sort of keep going by itself and keep expanding and creating new things. Mm -hmm. But perhaps with the big mode announcement, with the update happening, and with the Switch port, maybe Star of Providence will finally get to that point where it goes big enough that it can be something a community that really just makes so much cool stuff even more stuff than it already does but it's going to give us something to always talk about always something new to look forward to and enjoy so hopefully yeah <laughs> we'll get there soon we can only hope right Thank you so much for listening to our Star Providence fancast. And thank you again to Garoslaw for allowing us to use his music and sound effects in the podcast. Be sure to check out all of the Star of Providence soundtracks on his Bandcamp. The original base game soundtrack, the Relics of the Past DLC soundtrack, that's still what the name is, and the five-year anniversary soundtrack as well. <laughs> You're just going to keep saying that until you force Garo to change it, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just acknowledging the awkwardness. <laughs> I'm if you have any comments or suggestions for the show, reach out to us on Discord. We'll post a link to the server in the show description. There you'll find fellow pilots to talk with and discuss the show. Thanks for listening. We'll hope you'll join us next time. This is what you came for, isn't it? So be it.